Hello and welcome to the Spirit World Center. The following is the Spirit World Center podcast. If you have any questions about the spirits or training, you can visit our website at spiritworldcenter.com. And now, please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Spirit World Center. Today I am joined by Alexandra Blair and we are going to do something pretty cool. We're doing an astrological year in advance where Alexandra is going to take us one step at a time all the way through 2023, seeing what the stars have in our, what they have coming. So Alexandra, how are you today? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Eric. I'm I'm also really excited. It was such a productive exercise to go through the entire year rather than to kind of be swinging limb from limb, month from month. So I'm looking forward to sharing what I found out with everybody. I think it's going to be great. You know, the these month to month episodes that we've been doing have just been so accurate when it comes to mapping out the narrative of my own life and and those who I know. And so it's going to be really cool to see in advance how that narrative is going to unfold over the coming year and, you know, not just see it month by month. So yeah, this is very exciting. Yeah. It's really funny. I'm, I think I have mentioned before on the podcast, but there are people in my life who are not astrologers and do not sort of keep up with astrology, um, but are sort of spiritually in tune, like my mom. And she will often call me and describe in exact detail how she's feeling the transits that are happening um, and say, you know, this is really going to be the year I focus on blank. And, I, and I'm like, yeah, well, it does look like that. Um, it's funny that you're on board as well. So um I, I really love this process of digging through and kind of uncovering these energetic tides. And we have some some coming up this year that I think will be good to know about in advance. Absolutely. It's so useful to first off know what days you really should just completely book off. And at the same time, knowing some of these days that are really, you know, beneficial and you know, you're going to be filled with this this positive energy and such. It's uh it's really great to to see that coming down the pipe. So uh yeah, I think this is gonna help a lot of people. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, and y'all go ahead. Just for the record, I just wanted to say that I'll still be doing the monthly cycle reports. So in this overview here, I'm not going to talk about those sort of monthly cycles. I'm gonna really talk about the larger sort of themes and motifs, the energetic cycles that are happening sort of across the year. Um, and you um, you know, we'll still be able to follow along on a month to month basis and see the different themes and, and little cycles that happen on a monthly basis. That's the thing, right? There's going to be a lot of minutia that kind Correct. of has to be left aside when we look at the, the year long cycles and you're going to have little stuff, little monthly and weekly things that kind of, they are very transitory, right? So they might not be something that we highlight here, but so that will be useful for people to follow along throughout the year with the monthly reports. But these, this yearly should be, should be interesting to see the entire narrative as it, as it unfolds. So cool. So what's 2023 going to be like? Great. So 2023 is going to have several really interesting things coming up. So 
um, we have something of, you know, obviously we're recording this after the new calendar year has begun, but really the new astrological year begins in March. Kind of everything we have to talk about in Q1 is happening in March. Um, I'll say those things right now briefly, but then we're going to go into detail about them in a minute here. But we have Mars leaving Gemini, where it's been for seven months, for Cancer, where it is in its fall. So it doesn't really like to be in Cancer either. It'll only be there for a couple months, and then it kind of gets back to its normal rotation there. We also have Pluto entering Aquarius, and we get a little taste of that this year. And Pluto will be in Aquarius until 2043. So this is a brand new, very huge sort of generational shift that will be happening in kind of the collective consciousness and be more of a cultural political change that I think is really interesting. Um, we also have Saturn stationing in, in Pisces, ingressing into Pisces, um, where it will be till 2026. So we have... Um, you know, on top of that, we have like Venus and the sun entering Aries in Q1 and this sort of like Venus Mars tension that plays out through the entire year here. Um, but lots of big shifts that are happening in the energy. Um, and most of that happens in March. Um, and then a couple other themes just to mention. Um, basically, the eclipse cycle will shift from fixed signs. It's been in a series of eclipses in the Taurus and Scorpio zones of our chart. And that's going to shift this year. We'll have the last of the eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio for some time. And that will actually shift into the Aries and Libra axis. So where people who have lots of fixed sign placements, so that's Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius, um, have been feeling under the thumb of these eclipses for real. <laughs> um, that does lighten up in that way by the end of the year. It doesn't lighten up right away. It's going to take some time. Um, but the sort of eye of Sauron effect of those eclipses is going to transfer over to the cardinal signs. Um, and the mutable signs actually get just kind of another year of break before this kind of comes for you. Although Saturn does go into Pisces and that's going to have its own little challenges. Um, and then finally, the last thing that I mentioned is just this ongoing thing. And this is something that will really play out in the minutiae in the monthly reports, but there is a tension between Mars and Venus that plays out a lot this year. We have Venus retrograde this year, which is a transit that happens once every 18 or so months. Um, Mars is retrograde, Mars will station direct, and there's just a lot of really tough, small transits throughout the year that really pit Mars's energy against Venus energy. Um, and we'll see that play out. I have some of that in the year preview, but we'll definitely be seeing it play out month to month. And Mars is just tough, aggressive, malefic energy, and obviously Venus is sugar spice and everything nice and and those two playing out will just be a core tension of the year that is a lot of change a lot of shifts a lot of new long-term cycles beginning i'm looking at especially the pluto entering uh, aquarius wow and would you say that this year feels like there's a bit more of that kind of big shifts than 
in previous years? Or is this kind of pretty much par for the course when it comes to the number of shifts that we're looking at? You know, it's really not par for the course. Um, With planets like Jupiter, for example, Jupiter goes through one sign every year. So yeah, we get a Jupiter transit every year. Saturn spends two and a half, three years in every sign. So that's not all that common. And definitely the Pluto shift, you know, most of us can can aspire to see four shifts in Pluto, five shifts in Pluto, maybe depending on where bionic tech gets in the next 20 years. But um, that's not all that common. And it will be really interesting. And I, I have some interesting links and thoughts about that when we get to that section. But that is a quite a notable shift in just the atmosphere of our socio-cultural uh, shared space. So, uh, and definitely this Mars in Gemini situation is ab- n- not normal. So, <laughs> right, right. Well, it's going to be very interesting to watch as this plays out. I mean, uh, what? is Pluto in right now? So it's entering Aquarius. Yeah. So Pluto is in Capricorn and it's been in Capricorn since 2008. 2008. Um, Okay. Right. So now we're kind of seeing exactly how this happens, right? Like um, Pluto moved into Capricorn in 2008. Pluto signifies like revelation, exposing Mm. things, bringing things to light. It's also very much associated with power control, manipulation, Mm. and scale. It makes small things big and and makes big things small. And so obviously Pluto moving into Capricorn in 2008, it's no surprise that that brought exposure and revelation around corruption and flaws in like the foundation of our systems, of our government and our finance. (laughs) Exactly. Exposing toxic mortgage-backed securities. Correct. Correct. And actually the the astrology podcast, uh, I'll put a link in the written report, but Chris Brennan, Lisa Scheim, Diana Rose Harper, and Austin Kopik, they did such a good job of tracing this back and, and mentioning, you know, even when Pluto was in Sagittarius, we saw like fear of religious extremism and, you know, automatic weapons and things like that. So it, it's such an interesting generational shift in our cultural fears and our anxieties and how those bubble to the surface that uh, it's it's really fascinating to to trace back. And in fact, uh, just a little interesting piece of history, but I, I ended up looking this up. The last time Pluto was in Aquarius, um, the United States Constitution was ratified. We formed the global metric system. Um, it was in 1778 through 1798. So that was like the height of the classical music era, enlightenment era. Um, we saw the publication of Jeremy Bentham's theory of utilitarianism, which was like a totally secular legal and moral system. Yeah. French Revolution, French Revolution is smack yeah. dab in the middle of that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh so my. Pluto in Aquarius is is really interesting. And um again, that podcast, I'll I'll link to it, but they they talk really interestingly about the ways that our fears will bubble up, um, fears of technology. Um, in particular, I am really excited about and honestly am thinking this is going to be prime time for alien and extraterrestrial disclosures to be happening. Um, because Aquarius is to me just like the sign of aliens. But um, so, yeah, this is not at all like a common thing. This is something maybe we'll see a few of in our lifetimes. And 
I'm, it's going to play out in a really interesting way. When Pluto enters a new sign, typically it starts a series of like an ingress and then a retrograde out of, and then another ingress and then a retrograde out of, and then it will come in permanently sort of for, you know, 18 ish, 20 some odd years. So on the 19th of November, it will be the last time that Pluto, uh, of 2024, excuse me, next year, that will be when Pluto like is officially in Aquarius. So we're going to be feeling there's no more backsliding to other signs. Yeah. And to be honest, it's, I think we are already seeing a little bit of it with a lot of these like NFT bubbles bursting and tech companies that are sort of under the microscope and um, people's anxieties around technology and what that means. Um, So this is a really interesting transit to watch. You know, I, I know that when we talk about age of Aquarius and everything, we're not talking about this particular type of, of transit, right? We're talking about sun cycles of equinoxes and, and moving through the Zodiac, but it kind of almost feels like the potential for a mini kind of age of Aquarius when it comes to the Absolutely. Pluto action on it, you know, it's like a, yeah, it's Pluto not the real thing, like but it's supercharged, you know. revealing, exposing in sometimes quite explosive ways. So yeah, that's, that I think is, is pretty spot on, Eric. I think we are going to see some like quick, vigorous bubbling up to the surface of some really surprising Aquarian themes uh, and topics. Again, my fingers are crossed for UAP disclosures, but <laughs> I'm kind of a, a MUFON nerd. So <laughs> uh, I think we're all a little bit on that. Yeah, it's it's going to be... <laughs> Well, you think about it. I mean, the last three years uh, have uh, yeah, been so strange that honestly, it feels like if disclosure ever happened, <laughs> this would be the perfect time, you know? So I agree. I agree. Uh, we shall see. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's well, this is a very, very interesting development. And and so when does Pluto first like yeah. enter into Aquarius? When's that first moment? Sure. So it, it first enters into Aquarius on the 23rd of March. Um, in June, it will kind of dip back into Capricorn for a minute. Mm. Um, and then in January, it enters Aquarius again, September out, and then November back in. So um, it starts this 18-ish long month cycle period of like kind of dipping between Capricorn and Aquarius. I think that's actually going to be quite interesting to see how those energies blend. Um, but yeah. It, it starts on the 23rd of March. So that'll be a, a big difference. And we're going to see those first few transits usually are kind of what astrologers think of as foreshadowing. And we'll just show some of the like sort of previews of areas where we're going to get quite deep transformative revelations over the next 20 years or so. And yeah, it, public it, anxieties. It, it, I mean, I almost wonder, is that kind of like an initiation, you know, like the beginning mm. of initiation? Because it's almost like, you know, it makes me think, well, look, if it dips its toe in there, it, I imagine that with some of these cycles, it's kind of like, well, you can't just be a little pregnant. And so exactly. if you get a little bit of that Pluto <laughs> moving into Aquarius, does that kind of initiate the whole thing? Or do you need it in there for like a solid amount of time? You know, I don't, yes. I don't know. No, that's such a, that's actually the word initiation is absolutely perfect and before we started taping we were kind of talking about secret societies and fraternities like i think those things are all very plutonian um the word initiation especially in that context um is definitely appropriate 
Wow. Sounds like a fascinating time. Uh, so yeah. So where do we go first as we move into this year? Yeah. So in the year, um, I will, let's back up just a little. So in March, Pluto goes into Aquarius. That's one of the more interesting transits this year and Saturn going into Pisces, which we'll get into in a second, which also happens in March. Um, but I will say that after months and months and months of being on the show and saying, don't act, don't act. This is not a time for action. I'm very excited to report to you and your listeners that this is the time for action. It is upon us now in January. So we talked about this a little bit on the January forecast. Um, and I am here telling you that Mars stations direct on January 12th and Mercury stations direct just after it on the 18th. So as we mentioned, Mars usually spends about two months in each sign. It's been trapped in Gemini since August, 2022. Uh, and it won't exit until, you know, March of this year. So that's seven months in one sign. Um, two and a half of that has been spent retrograde and those Geminis among us, they need a, they need a break. Um, unfortunately, in Gemini placements, you've got to wait till Mercury stations direct too. Mercury is the ruler of Gemini. So for Geminis, especially wait till January 18th, um, for goes to some extent, but, um, everyone's going to be feeling a lot of relief at the second half of January. It's going to be a notable feeling. Um, and I think that's, you know, something I, I kind of flagged about this in my mind. And that I thought was really interesting is that Mercury, when Mercury goes retrograde, Mercury is very much like a hermaphroditic in, in almost every sense of the word, a two-spirited planet. It is diurnal and nocturnal. It is masculine and feminine. It is malefic and benefic. It's sort of like an ultimate agnostic flex planet. And that's why when we talk about Mercury retrogrades, it affects all of us. Um, but as we're talking about Mars retrograde and Venus retrograde, these things affect different people very differently. Where Mercury kind of mires in everyone's life and tinkers in everyone's life, like a Mars retrograde for some people was much worse than it was for other people. Um, and some of the, the things that we're going to be talking about in terms of specifically the retrogrades have been much harder for some people than for others. Um, especially those who have like strong Mars, um, planets and placements and signs that would be like Aries and Scorpio people, and definitely anyone with prominent Gemini placements. Um, if you take a look at the Gemini section of your chart, I'm sure you won't be surprised at what it governs, um, because it's been sucking for you for the past <laughs> several months. So this is going to be a really defining relief transit for us in the middle of of january so uh gemini's hang in there you're gonna have to hang in there till the 18th but that's okay i you know in the spirit of what you said earlier eric i do think if you're a gemini you should go ahead and take january 18th to like do the thing you've been trying to do for seven months <laughs> um and have fun, have fun doing that. But that's going to be relief. And we're finally going to have some time for action. I think that the period between January 18th, when Mercury stations direct and the start of the big transits, so mid, early, mid-March, that's going to be a really good time to grind, get any projects you want that like are on energetic ground that you are familiar with, that you can handle, that you know what it is. Um, that's going to be a really good time for just like progress, action, and grinding. 
it's going to be a welcome change. That's fantastic. So yeah, basically when Mars goes direct, that is going to feel better for most people. And then just the Gemini placements are going to have to wait until the 18th or so, right? Yeah, we get an extra little week of like feeling dizzy, but it's going to be noticeably better regardless. Fantastic. Well, that's uh, that'll be a welcome beginning in, in January. And yeah, I mean, that's the thing that you've kept telling us over the last few months is, you know, put off action, you know, this is not the time, but now finally we're here. Now is the time. So that's finally that's the exciting. time. <laughs> it is <Fantastic>. really exciting. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so basically the, we've got like a few months of just kind of good, solid, sort of common astrology in some ways. Um, the normal month to month type cycles that we've been seeing, um, and then on March 7th, we have Saturn leaving Aquarius and entering Pisces. So um, Saturn in Aquarius is really comfortable. Aquarius is Saturn's domicile, and we won't have that again until 2047, basically. Saturn, you know, takes 27-ish, 30 years to complete a cycle. Um, and so it's going to be in unfamiliar territory for quite some time. Um, so if there's anything that you're wanting to do spiritually or just in general that you really want to have staying power, if you are looking to electional astrology or looking for some auspicious states, I would very much recommend. Um, there are really good resources online that you can find that are that can help you find electional dates for astrology. Um, I'm also available to help anyone do that or just to give some little pointers here and there um but anything you really want to have staying power to be constructive um particularly anything related to where you know Aquarius is in your own chart or if you are a Saturn governed person like I have a lot of Saturn governed placements in my chart so I'm going to be trying to get some stuff done before Saturn is uncomfortable for the next 25 years <laughs> Oh my, oh my. Well, I mean, now this isn't the end of the world, right? So Saturn no, leaving Aquarius, not. it's it's not going to be as comfortable where it is next, but it's No, it's... in fact, it's oh, it's actually going to feel our subjective experience is going to improve as Saturn's subjective experience sort of like flounders. Um I feel bad for Saturn now. <laughs> oh, don't. He doesn't need it. um but he you know saturn in capricorn and aquarius is very constructive it's very paternal patriarchal like this sort of stern father energy that we've talked about a, a number of times um and it may have been more constructive or destructive depending on the conditions of that stuff in your chart that's not something i could say sort of like at large for everyone um but uh Saturn in in Pisces is creative in a way that is very constructive and so I think that subjectively it's going to be feeling better even if it's not accomplishing as much like productive stern sort of sobering tasks that it was when it was in Capricorn or Aquarius and for reference like Saturn in Capricorn which was 2017 through 2020 it was really asking us to like think practically about how what we were doing served our values and our goals. And then, you know, Saturn in Aquarius doubles down on that and asks us like, 
okay, now you know how it serves your goals. How does it serve the collective? Are you doing something that actually matters? And that can be like very deep, dark, sobering, aloof, and even like quite removed, not very impassioned. And in fact, I feel like most creative people have been feeling a weird roadblock during this time, which I think kind of makes sense, um, especially when you look, just look at what's been happening culturally and socially with the pandemic and, and things changing around there. What Saturn in Pisces will bring is like absolute escapism, del delusional fever dream storytelling and that kind of energy, which I think we all really need, quite frankly, as a creative person. I, I think we need it. <laughs> I mean, it so. almost sounds like mania when it comes to creation, but that's it's a good thing once in a while, for sure. It, it is. And it is a little bit like mania. It will enter a sign-based conjunction with Neptune, which is like a very self-delusional planet. Um, it's Neptune's mm. also the modern ruler of Pisces. Um, so it's it's kind of just going to be a escapist sometimes delusional for sure but like a way to cope maybe and to engage with all of the things that we collectively have been through in the past maybe three or three or four years um at this point regardless of whether that sounds good or not to you um definitely like the you know the the banks aren't going to be overturned during this time like we're not going to be you know running things as best as they could be running but we may be having a better subjective experience here on on earth which would be nice and um in some ways we may be using our creativity to process what we kind of all have collectively gone through and the sobering realism of the past few years so i think saturn helps in that saturn really decides what's good in the long term and what will last um, and so we will probably get some really good things coming out of this um, that have staying power. Um, however, I will say culturally, Saturn and Neptune together, that sounds like more of the questions around what is true, what is real, um, what is right, those kind of questions. Raymond Merriman, I'll link this on the written as well, but he has a super fascinating article over at Isar talking about um, the Saturn-Neptune cycle and its political cultural implications. So his observations of the Saturn-Neptune cycle, like this one currently that we're in, began in June of 1989, and it ends in 2026 when Saturn and Neptune next conjoin exact. Um, so we're currently at the final of four phases, and he outlines this super interestingly. He basically says like, Starting in 1989, we like decided we wanted new systems. We built those new systems. Um, you know, we put up all these new like resolutions and uh, did all kinds of work socially, culturally, and potentially politically. And phase four is almost always looking at all of the things that we did in the beginning in like 1989 and being like, well, that's obsolete now we don't need it and kind of destroying it to kind of make something new. I think that really maps on to some of the political things that we're seeing right now, particularly international politics. Um, and so I think this should be really interesting. Um, I'll link that article. And if you're interested in that, you can, you can check that out, but basically the next, like the end of this cycle will be in 2026 for this Saturn Neptune, like, whoa, where Saturn and Neptune will meet in Aries at zero degrees of Aries and they will be exact, which is just very poetic because zero degrees of Aries is where 
the Zodiac starts. And so there'll be a major reset in the, in 2026 in Aries there. That is exciting. I mean, I'm thinking 1989, that was pretty much when the Cold War was going into its, that's where its I went final, with that too, yeah. final zenith, right? So that's, that is really curious. There wow. are some really amazing um, astrological historians and just sort of like political astrologers who map these things so exactly. It is wild learning about how, you know, Russia maps on to certain, like the country, countries map onto planets, you know, and you can just watch the cycle of a planet map onto a country's rise and fall and the changes that they're making. So this is really interesting as well. The, uh, the Saturn Neptune thing, I think like, I mean, consider me like a creative soccer mom, but I'm like, we need this. I think we need this. And I think, um, there are a lot of interesting tensions this brings up again around what's real and what's true and um who we can trust and things like that but um i do think there's going to be a burst of creativity compassion and sort of creative energy that will be ultimately constructive more constructive than destructive it certainly sounds exciting. Wow. And hey, you know, change is, change is necessary. <laughs> I wouldn't say change is good because change can be hideously bad and or it can be uncomfortable, actually. It can also be yeah. very comfortable. So depending on where you're situated. But, yeah, you speaking, know, you know, speaking of uncomfortable, yeah, that like, uh, I, I just meant to say that anyone who is around age 27, uh, 28, 29, 30, 31, like somewhere in this range, listening to this check your birth chart if saturn is in pisces in your birth chart don't panic but maybe call me <laughs> um that is what is called a saturn return it is it's not like an enormous deal but it is a, a very constructive time in your life where you are like kind of building new systems and making constructive new changes where it can be, it can feel quite subjectively bad for some people and very constructive for others. There are ways to mitigate it and work with it. Um, because of my birth chart, because of the way that it is, I'm a Capricorn rising and Saturn is in my second house of Aquarius. So I get basically Saturn and Capricorn as a, as like a mini preview to my Saturn return. And then I actually get my Saturn return. So I kind of have like a six year Saturn return that I'm exiting right now. So does Lava actually, um, I believe. So I think we're pros. So if you want to give me a call, I could probably give you some tips and, and help you with how to, um, how to navigate that, but just look to where Saturn and Pisces are in your chart if they're together. And that's the area of your life, uh, where you're going to be feeling this sort of chapter. Right. Right. And I just want to touch on this just because we're, we're mm -hmm. covering it. Yeah. That's so curious that you basically have like a two-part Saturn return. So this is a particular kind of idiosyncrasy of your chart. Mine and Lava, Lava actually has the 20 chart on this element, but yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, because I am a, a Capricorn rising. So when Saturn is in Capricorn, Saturn, which is my chart ruler, is lighting up my first house. And so it's right. really all about me and changes that are constructive to me. They're all very Saturnian and Capricornian, just like they are the, for the next three years when Saturn is in Aquarius. So uh, it's like I get I got three years of self-development and three years of financial development. So oh it was a fun six year journey for me. <laughs> fun times. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Interesting. Well, this this Saturn stuff, I'm sure, is going to play out in very interesting ways. God, I can't wait to see what 2026 has to bring. So interesting. Yeah, I know. So so where do we go from there when cool, it comes yeah. to the year? So we're we're in Q1 in my notes. Yeah. So if you can believe it, this is what I was saying, like energetic new year really happens in March. Um, we have the spring equinox. Um, the sun moves into Aries on the 20th of March. And then um, by the 25th of March, just to close out the month of March and Q1, uh, Mars will enter Cancer. So Mars will finally leave Gemini. Mars and Gemini has been very frenetic and chaotic and like a live wire. Um, meanwhile, anyone who has Gemini placements has felt the fog of war very much all upon them and like not able to get anything done really. Um, but Mars in Cancer is is really tenacious and Mars actually is not happy in Cancer. If you think about it, like Mars is often associated with knives and war and like fighting and aggressive forward action. Now, Cancer is a very emotional sign um, and it's it's just not always easy for those two energies to to mesh. However, cancer is a cardinal sign, which is an initiator and cancer is represented by the crab, which has sharp claws. Um, and so I do think there's something special about that energy, even though it may be quite strange. Um, but those, those claws may be coming out and, um, I would expect at this time to feel and also to see like outbursts and and things happening for people to get their emotional needs met um i think you know i'm like i said once mars and exits gemini it goes back to two and a half months ish in each sign so um back to its regularly scheduled programming but i do think there's something really interesting about the fact that like it's been in this horrible like gemini quicksand and then it immediately leaves to a place it's not all that happy <laughs> Um, so no surprise, it's going to be a little sharp edged on its way out, but then it's back to our regularly scheduled sort of like month to month Mars programming. Yeah. It's like give a knife to someone who's already feeling emotional, right? But <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's a theme I really should have mentioned at the beginning of the year, but that is something that is going to play out on a month to month basis. Like mm. there is a lot of seething and under the surface it's kind of like that moment where the top of the lava has cooled over but right. there's still a lot of rawness underneath and I think um what we're really going to see when you think culturally and socially what's been going on is like there are some people who've been able to process things as they've been happening but like witnessing as a generation a global pandemic and then like the, the being on the precipice of like you know those of us who are old enough potentially another financial collapse and watching the, like, it's really hard. And some of us process that stuff in real time. And some of us sit on it and sit on it and sit on it and then sort of kind of explode. And so I think we're going to see people whose styles tend to serve that kind of emotional processing, really getting, getting their stuff out this year. Well, it kind of fits with a lot of the long run changes that you're talking about. I mean, if we're talking Pluto heading into Aquarius, you need 
you need a lot of repressed emotions seething yeah. under the under the surface there to drive that, right? That's your that's your geothermic energy that's gonna <laughs> push this stuff, you know, that's actually gonna power any kind of change. So yeah. Oh my very curious. And All the right. good storytelling. Like if we're looking for good creative projects, like we need people who are so overwhelmed in their in their day to day that they just like put it all out there in, in a creative way. Absolutely. Not to romanticize that process, but like as a creative, <laughs> there is something special about that. Absolutely. You know, so much creative creativity and, and, and uh, productivity comes when there's a lot of stress on the system. So I can, I can see it. Yeah. yeah. Do you see over the next year, like, that there are kind of openings where there is going to be release of that kind of psychic energy, let's say, or. Yeah, there are, there is actually in the month to month sort of year ahead, as I've been looking, there are spaces in, especially a few of the months uh, towards the end of the year and um, June to September is kind of a slowdown period, but there are a lot of release valves. Um, they're not, I don't think going to be particularly fun. Uh, for some people. And those are those things that are in the minutiae to the degree that it will really depend on your chart and what's going on in your life at the time to know whether each one of those is going to be impacting you. Um, but some stuff is going to come out. <laughs> some stuff is definitely going to come out, especially with Venus going retrograde. Um, and that Venus Mars energy, Mars is all about those like fiery eruptions. It's a classic delineation for Mars. So I, I foresee a lot of that. Oh my, oh my. Cool. That's, well, I don't know if cool is it's not, word, I it's gonna be, it it's gonna be cool. entertaining. Yeah, I think it's necessary, um, if not cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. All right, so where do we go from there? So we're still in- In Q1, quarter, if you can we? believe it. But yeah, yeah, our last event that I kind of wanted to touch on there, and then things kind of, this is our most action-packed quarter, really. Um, but the last thing that will be happening there is on the 19th of April, we have a solar eclipse in Aries. So this is the first eclipse of that Aries Libra axis, which I mentioned. So this is the eclipse cycle that will play out until 2025. So the eclipse focus from 2021 until the end of 2023 has been Taurus Scorpio. And the way eclipses work is that like, we'll see one in Aries, then we'll see the one in Scorpio, then we'll see one in Libra, then we'll see the final one in Taurus. So, and then it will be like Aries, Libra, Aries, Libra, Aries, Libra. So um, the axis just shifts. I guess it's kind of hard to explain in, a, in an audio way, um, but the axis will be shifting. This is going to be the start of that shift that will play out through 2025. So definitely for this one, take a look at your chart. Um, as I mentioned on the podcast throughout the year, those Taurus and Scorpio areas of our chart have been activated by the eclipses. You don't need to have any planets, uh, in those areas to have been feeling this. Um, and you will not have to have any planets in the Aries or Libra parts of your chart to be feeling this either. Take a look at it. Um, this first eclipse is conjunct Jupiter in Aries. And so it just looks good. It looks really good. Some of the other stuff that happens later in the year looks quite painful and maybe harsh. This just looks very bold and exciting and sort of like audacious, uh, wherever the Aries area of your chart is. So um, 
that's good news, basically. Um, for me, like I know our, it's funny to do these astrological things because I often have bad memory and I'll talk a little bit about it, but I'll be like, that's never happened to me before. And then you go back and you Google like what happened last time there were eclipses in Aries and Libra. And it's like, oh, oh, <laughs> um, like, so for me, this was in uh, 2014 was the last time we kind of felt and saw this energy. And Aries and Libra are my houses of home, like home and living space and career. And I actually like moved to New York and started a job in my dream industry. So like <laughs> quite a, quite a big and different change for me at that time. Um, I'm hoping it isn't quite so chaotic this time, but look to the area of your chart. Think back to like maybe 2014, do some looking through an email inbox or um, your phone's photo history and, and kind of try to dig up how this played out for you last time. That'll, that'll help you figure out what's going to be happening in the next couple of years. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, so I was, I was just looking at a Zodiac chart to kind of wrap my head around where these eclipses are happening. So mm -hmm. basically it looks like the eclipses are happening in the two Zodiac signs that are diametrically opposite. Each exactly. Other. Thank so you. Yes. You had Taurus and Scorpio and then you basically have a shift by a by one sign that's occurring. So Correct. now, now it's going to be Aries and Libra that are okay. I see. I see. Thank you for explaining. I was. And, I should have had a better explanation ready. <laughs> and and so, like for me, I'm a Libra in terms of my sun placement and all that. Does that like play in this kind of new? Um, in this new eclipse cycle or is it yes. more no more absolutely dense? i mean anyone who has personal planets in those areas is going to be feeling things more like more intensely because not only do you have it playing out in that place you also have it playing out for that planet um and so you also you know have the aspect of how that planet is is being treated um and aspected uh, the way that we do this and the way that we look at our your chart is that we would look at what's happening in the sky right now and then we would sort of like map it onto your natal chart. So anytime that planet is being afflicted by what's happening now, that's also triggering something in you um, and activating something in you. Um, I'm not sure this is something we've ever totally talked about on the show, but the natal chart, not every planet or sign or area in your chart is active all the time. I think just after a year of doing this, that probably makes sense to most people. Um, but th these are ways that certain areas of your chart can be activated at certain times. Um, yeah. So looking at yours, your Aries is in your 11th house of social groups, friends, things like that. And Libra is in your fifth house, which governs um, children. It also kind of speaks to parents. Um, and it also speaks to like pleasure and things that you do for hobbies and for fun and things like that. And to some degree, it also talks about sexuality and creativity. So it's kind of a robust house. So it sounds like you're going to be having some changes. And when we think of eclipses, we think of major new beginnings and major endings in those zones of your life, particularly, I would imagine, I mean, kind of in both of them, to be honest, like your Jupiter is right, right there where those eclipses are happening and Jupiter is activated in those eclipses. So 
you're going to have an eventful eclipse cycle. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. Oh, and you're saying basically that it will probably, for most people, feel like 2014 did, right? It's. Uh... It will. I think like, uh, I don't know that it will feel like that. But okay. what will happen is that those same areas of your life are are going to be activated. You can think kind of of that time as like a preview or act one sort of a thing. I see. I see. And I think if we look back, it just helps us give us clues. You know, like we were talking about how um, Mars and Gemini, like, let's write this down so we know what to expect next time. It's that kind of phenomenon where you look back and you're like, oh, oh. Right. <laughs> right. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I'm going to have to keep an eye out for that. And yeah. Okay. So yeah, we enter into a new eclipse cycle. Interesting. Yeah. And that kicks off, you know, so we're now we're officially in the second quarter of the year. Um, and the, there will be a lunar eclipse in Scorpio. So it's the end of that Scorpio part of the Taurus Scorpio eclipses. And, um, that's been happening since 2021. So look to that Scorpio part of your chart. Again, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised. This will this signifies the end of a cycle in that Scorpio part. Um, however, this looks a little more substantial than most other sort of like ending eclipses. So usually kind of like the ending eclipse is like, you just kind of think, okay, that's done. You know, like you put a little bow on something that happened. This looks like there's something, there's one last thing that needs to give on the way out. Some last little material change. Um, so yeah, that's kind of another one of those uh, release valves for that seething that we're talking about, like where this right. would kind of just normally move on where we have one last kind of material shift here okay. in May interesting interesting so yeah very very front-loaded year when it comes to like just right around the oh yeah spring equinox right and then yes i know we're already we're already things. in may after all that isn't that crazy um yeah. and yeah in may one another thing that happens a kind of a big awesome transit here jupiter moves into taurus this is going to be just kind of a good little transit i think um it's going to bring some levity and some beauty to the situation, especially during parts of the year when Venus is well-placed, because that means that Jupiter will be in, in a reception. It will be in Taurus, which is Venus's home. And so Venus, when Venus is doing well, will be playing a good host to, to Jupiter. And Jupiter is just a boundless planet. It's big energy. It says it likes to say yes to things in our life. It is really like the planet of fortune and luck. And Taurus is a sign that is really concerned with beauty and materiality and sensuality. Um, and so I think this will be a nice, a nice thing that really brings some levity to the landscape. I think without this transit, this year would look objectively harsh. And this transit alone kind of brings some good vibes and some yes and some benefic energy into, into our astrological landscape interesting interesting okay okay so jupiter and taurus are playing nice okay so yeah <laughs> so where do we go from there so uh we kind of have in the to close out like our end of second quarter here yeah. we have this slowing down period where the planets start to station retrograde we have like the summer solstice on the 22nd of june 
And then in June, July, the retrogrades really start. This period is shifting a little earlier this year. So if you think about 2022, how we were feeling in like November, Mm -hmm. December, that slow, nothing can happen. It won't be as quite as intense because Mars won't be retrograde. Um, and it will be a little sooner in the year. So that period is going to happen in September for us this year, where most of the planets like are retrograde, um, the ones that are going retrograde this year. So, so people get your stuff done before September, basically. <laughs> absolutely. If you can, I mean, like if you've been saving up energy and you've been kind of like stewing, as we have talked about in the past couple of months, you will be able to explode with purpose in the first two quarters, the first half of the year, and then cruise because things start turning retrograde in June. Um, and then we get into Venus retrograde. And then by September, everything's retrograde. So definitely try to get stuff done in the first half of the year. If that's possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. All right. And so where do we go from there? Yep. So kicking off the third quarter um, on the 22nd of July, Venus goes retrograde in Leo. Um, That will be happening from July 22nd through September 3rd. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, this is not a retrograde that affects everyone the same way at all. However, um, you know, Benefic planets are benefic to us all. Benefic means that a planet is objectively good. It wants to say yes. It wants to signify positive things and affirm our choices in life. Um, We have two benefic planets, that's Jupiter and Venus. So Venus going retrograde might make it more or less benefic to you, but it, it doesn't actually like bring bad stuff into your life. That's not how those planets work. So this is very different from like a Mercury retrograde, which, you know, screws us all up because it is just totally an agnostic planet that just does its own thing. Um, And it's definitely very different from like a Mars retrograde where Mars is an actively harmful, like sort of presence. Um, Venus retrograde is an eight year cycle. So it will be resurfacing some things that we were experiencing eight years ago. So this is going to be a time when like matters and humans related to interpersonal relationships, not just romance, but definitely romance as well. Things and issues related to aesthetics and art and pleasure systems, that stuff is going to be resurfacing. It's going to be time for you to re-examine and re-engage with those things. And believe me, even if you aren't actively doing that stuff, that is going to be coming your way and just popping up. Um, and I, I really can't emphasize enough how important patterns are. So like, there are so many things that we take for granted in our life. I talked about memory earlier, and this is another one that really hit me. I was looking at this and I'm going, what the heck was I dealing with eight years ago? So like Venus is in my eighth house, which is associated with other people's money, debts, investments, inheritances. I'm like, what the hell was I doing eight years ago? Sure enough, I look back at my email inbox just out of curiosity because I was expecting like uh, to be reminded of an old relationship or something like that. No, it was like a family legal matter that I was completely embroiled in, like having to do with debt and investments and family inheritances and all of the stuff that just I completely blacked out of my mind because, you know, we just take for granted our own lives in that way. So definitely go back and look what was going on in 2015 about eight years ago 
um, when this, when Venus was retrograde in the same spot, check it out, see what was up. Um, and you might be shocked to see how accurate it is to, uh, where Venus is on your birth chart. Oh my, oh my. Yeah. It's sounds like quite the, the trip that we're going to be going through trip down memory lane, you know, going back to those old patterns, I guess that would be mid 2015 for this particular uh transit right yes exactly exactly okay okay yeah um and basically yeah check your emails because i was like just fully like this doesn't really apply to me where is this and i'm just like now like oh god like i can see everything um yeah but i will say like the retrograde it does start rough it is not like you know, I said earlier, Venus is not a malefic planet. Venus doesn't want to do us harm, but there are some tricky aspects right at the beginning there. So, um, there's, there's like some aspects going on that just mean it's going to, it's going to be maybe like emotionally quite surprising, maybe even, and just a little harsh. In fact, um, we've talked about Chiron a few times on the show. I don't usually use it in terms of aspecting, but Chiron also stations retrograde in the same 48 hour period. And that looks pain, like quite painful. And it looks like a painful reactivation of some of these issues that you were dealing with. So, you know, it might not be that it's like my exact family legal situation comes back alive, but it may be like some tough family situation, or it may have to deal with debts or investments in a way that it was then that now it, you know, is coming back. Yeah, these um, things tend to rhyme, right? It's more like correct. poetry than anything literal and yeah. Yeah, and so the the retrograde starts on the 22nd of July and um, Venus retrogrades into a conjunction with Mercury on the 27th, so five days later. And that day sucks. We're bad enough that I'm mentioning it by day name <laughs> right now. Um, it does not look good on the 27th. So uh just know that like some painful stuff is going to be coming up July 22nd. You're going to start feeling it and July 27th. It's going to come out of your mouth, (laughs) whether you're ready or not. So, you know, we can prepare ourselves and we can be ready for this, um, to the degree that is possible, but that's going to be quite a tough time astrologically. Just to let any of my students who are listening know, we are not available for any form of appointments from July 22nd to July 27th. All right, (laughs) continuing on. I will say the good thing about this retrograde, um, there's one Venus Kazemi of the year. So usually in a year, Venus and the sun can join two to four times. This year it happens one time and it's during the retrograde, but it's at around the middle point of the retrograde. And that features some really nice astrology. So that's got like Mars and Mercury and Moon and Jupiter all trining each other, supporting each other. And so it does feel like maybe this starts painful, but ends more resolved and kinder than, and sort of like less emotionally raw. Um, and it also kind of just suggests that it's going to be constructive in some way because it, it ends nicer than it began. Well, that's always good. So, okay. There's a certain sweetness to the end of it, even if it brings up a lot of raw emotions and such. Oh my. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So we've, we're entering this period then of all these 
retrogrades. And yes. Not the best when it comes to alignments and, and other other things going on. Uh, where do we where do we go there? Yeah. So that's the what I'm just going to openly refer to as September retrograde quicksand. Um, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, because. <laughs> On the third, Venus stations direct, and that's like, yay, because immediately the next day, Jupiter stations retrograde, and at that point, we will have Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, and Mercury all retrograde, Um, so that's like an echo of that late fall period that we had this year that was just really slow and introspective and had everyone journaling, doing shadow work, my gods. Um, September is the hardest little piece of this. It gets much, much, much easier every day. It gets easier, um, from Mercury stationing direct on September 15th. Then a couple weeks later, you know, we have Saturn stationing direct. Then we, you know, it just, it gets easier and easier Then we have Pluto stationing direct. So, um, this energy, I think complements Virgo season quite well. It's going to really feel like a, like nitpicking judgment detail obsessive let's go back and check everything or like oh my gosh nothing is what I thought it was like this is actually so gross how have I been doing this for this long kind of energy um but especially by early November when we get into the fourth quarter of the year um things will loosen up at least in terms of action so the astrology of the fourth quarter is a little emotionally fraught um So I don't know, you know, for some of us, like even bad stuff is better than inaction. Like me, (laughs) I'm like sitting still is worse than bad stuff happening. That's insane, but true for me. So depending on what you're feeling, September will either be the most painful part of the year, you know, or like some other part, but um, it'll just be like, kind of like a sitting still and a lot of shadow work right there. Right, right. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So it's, so because of all those retrogrades, like it's just, it is that sitting still energy then just to clarify. Yeah. Retrogrades are just times when issues, thoughts, habits, patterns, people from our past um, resurface, and it can be from our recent past. It can be from the far past. Um, But like things come back up again and ask us to to reconsider and to reflect and to refine all of those lovely three words that we associate with a re-retrograde um and that's what they're for so that period i think is more introspective it's not so much about action activity in terms of like productivity but it's really good for shadow work for looking inside for rethinking something that you know you didn't just get quite right especially with that Virgo time of year you know if you're sitting there in the back of your mind you're going I I really didn't do as good of a job as I could have at blank it's going to be a great time to do stuff like that and when I say not a good time for action if it's action that is associated with redoing something you've already done but didn't do well enough that's the perfect time for that kind of action it's just not so great for starting new stuff Oh, so if you're an editor or something, it's, it's pretty fantastic. Okay. Very good time. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So that's that's September. Uh, so where do we go from there? What's October going to be like? Cool. Yeah. So October, we have the end of those eclipse season moments. So we have a solar eclipse in Libra on the 14th of October and then a lunar eclipse in Taurus. So these will complete that shift 
the Taurus Scorpio eclipse season will be completed and it will have shifted one sign to the diametrically opposed signs of Aries and Libra. So fixed signs will go from being under the thumb of this. Fixed signs have been going through it. That's uh, <laughs> that's Aquarius, Leo, um, Taurus, and Scorpio. That there's just been a lot of focus and attention and energy and change, um, which is actually in some ways harder for the fixed signs than for anyone else, just because they are fixed. They like to have things stay the same. And so when things change, it's much harder than for like a mutable sign, which is so used to change and, and can really adapt. Um, but so these houses, uh, the Libra and Aries houses are going to be ramped up again, as I mentioned, like they were in kind of 2014. So take a look at that. This eclipse cycle will carry us through 2024. So this is kind of a long-term series of endings and beginnings in the Aries and Libra parts of your chart. Um, so it doesn't matter, again, if you have planets there, just take a look at it. I think you'll be surprised and you'll see this play out in those areas of your chart. And particularly this last uh, eclipse with Taurus just looks rough. Uh, the astrology of that just doesn't look pleasant. Um, we have Mars and the sun in Scorpio opposing Jupiter and the moon in Taurus. And that's what kind of like the like a really culminating event for that Mars Venus energy war that we've been talking about. So we have Mercury, Mars, and the sun in Scorpio, which is ruled by Mars. And then we have Jupiter and the moon in Taurus, which is ruled by Venus. And so it's, it's really just looks like this painful to be quite honest. It's not just like beating a dead horse. It's like stabbing a dead horse. Like it's just a fitting last, like key thing that's going to happen featuring the Venus Mars energy sort of tension that will carry us through the year so that that will be a pretty a fraught moment for us what is this like west side story it feels like both <laughs> gangs are just like lined up on either side like diametrically it really opposite. does wow okay yeah yeah oh, incredible point but you know in November Venus enters Libra Venus loves Libra it's that's its domicile so um, that will help us with some levity there at that point when Venus is, this is like some jargon here, but like when Venus is dignified, um, Jupiter and Venus will be in like, uh, really good spots with each other. And then again, when Venus is in Sagittarius, it'll be like a mutual reception situation. So that those will be some really good moments of levity. And those two benefics will be carrying us through a lot of this emotionally weighty moment however the sun and mars are conjoined in scorpio this whole time so it, it is really just like that scorpio mars energy um which we think about mars and we think about aries and aries is a lot you know like mars is often signified by knives a lot of its keywords have to do with severance and like that sort of action of cleaving but like Mars and Aries is like Rambo with the knife in his teeth, you know, like on his belly, like crawling. And Mars and Scorpio is more like a, a greaser that like the moment the fight starts, pulls out a switchblade and it's like, let's actually make this interesting. You know, it has like a hidden knife in his shoe or something. So it's just going to be a weird year for those energies with Mars and the sun and Scorpio, especially here in November. Um, uh, and then when Mars enters Sagittarius, it, it like 
oh, it could get better, but no, wait, it squares Saturn and it squares the moon. And then it's just got like a lot of weird stuff happening. So um, this looks like just, again, one of those release valve moments at the end of the year. We have a lot of those. This one seems to coincide with the American holiday of Thanksgiving. So definitely like watch yourself during Thanksgiving. You're probably going to be saying some stuff to your parents or your family. <laughs> um, there's going to be some emotions bubbling up for sure. Oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And then you have to wonder if you actually have free will, you know, oh. are you destined to say something that's going to cause something or it can you actually wild. navigate it? This art is so wild and it threatens my conceptions of philosophy every day, as you know, but um, (laughs) yeah, hopefully we can at least try to mitigate that by knowing in advance that we're prone to saying something stupid. That's very much me. I am that figure at family gathering. So I think actually my tactic will just be to message my family, tell them I'm sorry in advance um, and just weather it out that way. Well, it's an important role that one must take on, right? It's the trickster. (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, my. So, okay. Well, that sounds like a very interesting American Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, So where do we go from there? We're getting pretty close to the end of the year. Yep. Yep. So that'll bring us, you know, all the way into December. Um, We have, obviously, the winter solstice in December. And it looks like things are really still kind of going to be bubbling to the surface. We have we have one last Mercury retrograde, which is December 13th till January 1st. So the close of the year again will be retrograde. Um, and I will say, though, we have lots of trines and sextiles, which again are jargon terms, but like to Saturn this month. And so this feels good this is like and it actually is really interesting now that i think about it because saturn moves into pisces in march nine months later in december we have all this productive saturn energy so it's like all those creative projects will metaphorically be being born at this time um and we're gonna see i think some constructive stuff coming out of all of the year at this time um it just looks like because of all these fortunate little aspects to saturn that we're going to be seeing some constructive and productive stuff, even if it, you know, may still feel kind of raw. Um, we will have Venus entering Sag and Jupiter stations direct and Mercury stations direct. So that's really good. Jan- December 29th through January 1st. Like it's going to be a really good new year next year. Um, I, it seems so silly and far away, but like, it's going to be really nice right there. That's like really good astrology. <laughs> Fantastic. So that pretty much sums us up for the uh, for the year, right? Yeah, that's pretty much our kind of entire year in advance, like quarter by quarter, and most of the major themes uh, of the year. So ultimately, then, just to put you on the spot, yeah, go ahead. what would you say is like the central narrative that is going to unfold with this year? What does it feel like to you? Yeah, I think um, this year to me really feels and looks like a bubbling up for like, I I don't want to say half, like I actually have no idea of how many people are prominent fixed sign people or like have heavy Plutonian or Saturnian energies, but like a good deal of humans on earth are going to have and be feeling like a bubbling up of things they've been sitting on and simmering with and dealing with in silence 
for some time. Like that looks like a major theme of this year. Um, and I think maybe even we can think about that as it relates to like the Mars and Venus play that will happen throughout this year. Like there are some people who have already processed a lot of stuff, who process things quickly, who dealt with that stuff. And those people are going to be expected to be that sort of like Jupiter brotherly sage figure and um, lift people up, help people have patience with people as they're kind of like having these fiery explosions of emotions they've been sitting on for way too long. Um, I think there's also, you know, in terms of Pluto and Aquarius going to be some cultural, political, social sort of revelations that will feel a lot like bubbling ups as well. Um, I wonder how strong of an influence Saturn and Pisces will have uh, in terms of that sign-based conjunction with Neptune and it kind of creating this delusional escapist tendency to kind of like throw ourselves into creative projects. I'm, I'm hoping that can make for a better subjective experience of this time. Um, but yeah, I think this year is going to be some, I think that I just keep getting that mental image of the lava, like when the top part of the lava, the crust has cooled. Um, but there's still stuff simmering underneath that, like when that crust cracks will, will be oozing out, uh, throughout the year. Oh my, sounds like one heck of a year ahead of us. Right. Yeah. And I, I will say actually one more thing just came to me, but like of in course. March, that energetic new year, that shift, that's going to be so good. That's going to feel really good uh, for fixed signs, for people who really like life to be the same every day, all the time. It may be uncomfortable right away. I mean, Taurus people, right. like you've just been going through it forever. Like, I, I want to check in with my Taurus people. Um, maybe by October, you're going to be feeling better uh, after the end of that last uh eclipse but um i think that the the march sort of changing of the guard in terms of an energetic vibe is going to be really good wow wow it it's going to be one very curious year and i mean it's really something i'm taking to heart from this definitely is if you're going to be productive try to be productive during q1 and q2 because then the slowdown comes and and so if you're feeling the the seasons of astrology here right then okay your productive time your summer if you will is is prior to the beginning of q3 yeah and like i mentioned retrogrades are a really good time to revisit stuff that you know do a second draft so if you need to get something out get it out and then come back and revisit it when it's appropriate. Um, I know that's like, it's definitely not the way that I usually work. It's taken some getting used to, but it it actually makes for a better end product and you don't get so uh, tangled up in perfectionism, which is my major roadblock. <laughs> well, this is really fantastic to have this kind of long run narrative uh, ahead of time. And of course, we're going to be doing the monthly episodes so people can figure out and see how to navigate these these month by months, right? Because there's a lot of possibilities and then also things to watch out for in each of these months that we didn't uh, didn't cover oh, yeah. in this long run uh, approach. But I think that uh, it's going to really, really help people as they navigate this this oncoming year. Yeah, I think so too. Um, definitely the month to month has 
I will say like more granular approach and has those smaller cycles that you can sort of micro ride for certain projects. And, and I think they're still definitely worth listening to just because there's a lot of, I think actually a lot more optimism as well on the month to month. There's like good stuff happening on a daily basis that doesn't always play out in the year, um, year long motifs, but yes, I also am going to definitely have my site up and running. So I'll put that in a link when we put this written report for the year. I have something for that uh, up and I'll put a link in there and I will actually be doing a follow along sort of report for podcast listeners. Um, More info as soon as I have it, of course. Um, But I I think this will really help. Um, I'm actually going to be able to generate a traditional birth chart for for people and actually like tell you how many and where you have elements and you have modalities. Like what I'm saying, fixed signs, cardinal signs, like you're going to know that uh, and, and have a, a report that will help you follow along with the podcast. So that will, I think be, be really helpful for people who are regularly listening and still a little lost at some of the jargon. Yeah, I think that's going to be really helpful for people. And that's very exciting that you have your your site uh, going up. Uh, yeah, people, when you're when you're listening along to the podcast and you're hearing, you know, okay, we'll find where Gemini is in your chart placement and everything. Well, now you can have Alexandra do oh, that I'll for tell you. you. Yeah, yeah, and, no, I'll and, just tell and you. tell you how all these long run <laughs> narratives and, and changes basically interface with your particular chart. So yeah, that's that. Yeah incredibly exciting i'm so happy for you that you have that going up now yes i'm so excited too um it'll be great i'll be able to do like natal readings which are just full-on like i can tell you a lot of stuff um but also i'm excited to offer this kind of like simple report because i know that there are you know people like me who are interested in astrology kind of understand what's going on but just need a little help with like the keywords and the jargon and how to see that in their own chart and so i think this like simplified report will help people who want to learn and want to do it themselves, but just actually need like a little bit of expert guidance at, at how to manage the the jargon as it comes out of someone's mouth, not necessarily as you read it in a book. So. Well, one thing I absolutely know is that whenever I talk to you, it somehow puts the preceding month into clarity because suddenly I feel like all the things that have been happening in happening to me just <laughs> yeah. get explained away as oh well this was this transit and this was that retrograde it's like I, mm-hmm. I almost facepalm because it's like okay so everything that i've been going through the last month has been in those stars and i just have to <laughs> have to just get better at at keeping a running uh at, at, at keeping an awareness going of what these things are it's right? so, so hard eric yeah i mean i do this every month i just did this entire year and it wasn't until i was in October that I was like, where is Libra? And my, oh my God, <laughs> like, of course. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's not just you, the world's a busy place. We have so much going on, especially if you're like spiritually inclined or esoteric, there's like a thousand things I do on a weekly basis that are like spiritual and riding the tides and, uh, it can get quite overwhelming. So I'm with you. Well, it's always good to have a 
astrological advisor for that. So <laughs> people yes. take note. Absolutely. Well, Alexandra, thank you so much for a fantastic uh, astrological year in advance. This is really exciting to have this this long run uh, narrative to to see as it unfolds. And of course, we'll be getting back to our monthly uh, our monthly reviews uh, coming up with uh, the first one starting in February, where we're going to go for all of February and leaving behind the new year or the um uh the new moon to new moon cycle that we've been doing and actually yeah. moving over to calendar month so people keep an eye out for that alexandra thank you so much this has been an absolute joy it's been so great eric thank you so much i have really enjoyed the challenge of doing this and i hope it has helped i welcome feedback warmly so if you guys have any feedback you'd like to give me, I think that's uh, giveable or accessible via email and soon via my website. So <laughs> I look forward to hearing from y'all. Fantastic. Alexandra, have a great day and uh, we'll talk to you soon with the monthly report. Take care. Thanks so much. Ciao.